The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. That sounds like a vague threat and I'm here for it. And Michael Lucas. It really <laughs> captures something about everyone being on the hamster wheel, just silently screaming. This is Emsolation. I'm going to intuit that maybe yours had a different energy. Oh, good intuiting. <laughs> I'm so glad you're intuiting that. Intuit. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain, a podcaster, and together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter, Logie, and actor award winner, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every week. Hello. Now, I hope you enjoyed our Emsolation succession compression session. We had a little extra ep. We just felt like... We didn't want to bore everyone who didn't watch it, but so many of us wanted to be able to like decompress about it. So that went out yesterday. Regular programming about to get in your ears as always. Although not quite because I got inundated with messages from a lot of exhausted women and I felt like I wanted to speak to that, especially leading into Easter. A lot of you are dealing with school holidays at the moment. So a lot of the podcast is Michael and I talking about this weird middle years situation that women are finding themselves in. We also talk about the great debate and all the goings on backstage. That's right. Backstage exclusive. I did the Melbourne International Comedy Festival great debate over the weekend and um, Penny Wong was involved. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. A lot of things happen backstage. And we also talk briefly about Taylor Swift's relationship ending but it's really, you know, look, it's a long meandering conversation that I hope a lot of you walk away from feeling seen. The other thing I wanted to talk to you all about, look, I'm just going to do a little. I've created a monster. Um, it's my own fault. My youngest child now is officially a gamer. I'm expecting him to start his own Twitch stream in a matter of weeks. My four-year-old, we all, we all love gaming. I think it's obviously the way our brains, it, it just helps me to switch off. But I only really play Mario Kart. It's not like I'm out there playing Total Recall, Death, whatever. I don't even know any of the names. I just really play Mario Kart and Mario Odyssey. That's it. And we found all the old DSs. The girls had DSs from the late 2010s, so they're old. And then I also found a Switch that I was given by Nintendo years ago and we booted them all up. And so oftentimes if you walked into my house, every member of my family is on a version of a DS. <laughs> except we all have self-control except for one member of my family and that is Elio. And I want to let you know how bad it's gotten. This morning at 5am, I'm laying in bed next to him because I have to still co-sleep with him because he's autistic and Scott and I take it in turns and we're working on it with an OT, but Scott and I haven't slept in the same bed for a very long time. Uh, but if you have an autistic kid, you'll understand what I'm saying. Anyway, I just hear this muttering 
Mum's going to go to jail if she doesn't let me jail. And I'm like, what? And I roll over and I see my delicious four-year-old just in the early morning light clutching the DS to his chest, like saying a silent prayer because he knows he has to ask me at least. He doesn't just go and do it. But he got himself up, you know, at around five to four, five to five, went down to the lounge room, got the DS in the dark, mind you, came back to bed, lay down and was just like working himself up to waking me up to give him permission to play the DS. So I heard the muttering and because everything is content, I quickly grabbed my phone and I recorded what he was saying. So just imagine, here you go. I'm going to call the policeman. What, what did you say? I'm going to call the police if you don't let me play Mario Odyssey. You're going to call the police if I don't let you play Mario Odyssey? Yeah. Um, what do you think the police are going to do when you call them? I think you can stay for a big while and then usually come back tomorrow night. <laughs> so we have this whole conversation and then I said, no, we're not doing that. So then he starts the bargaining. Then he, let, have a listen. It got. I nearly said yes. It nearly broke me. Have a listen. Well, would it help if I turn it down? Honey, honey. Is that because of sound? So I don't know. I think we're going to have to wean him off it. The only upside to this is my child is unbribable because he doesn't care about food. He doesn't care about much. Like he can just flip in and out of things, you know, and I, and I can't say to him, Elio, can you please do this or that? And if you, there's no bribing. And I know bribing's not ideal, but every parent has to have it as a weapon in their arsenal at some point. But I have found one thing. Like this morning, I got him to drink a smoothie that involved peas. 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 Because I said, you cannot play Mario Odyssey until you finish your smoothie. And he fucking did. So I'm not saying bribery is good, but I'm not not saying that it's pretty exciting when you find something your kid cares enough about to bribe them with. (laughs) Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Anyway, I'll keep you updated. But that is where I'm at. That is where I'm at at the moment. Uh, I thought you would all enjoy it. Anyway, that's enough from me. Thanks for being here, as always. Two apps this week, lucky duckies. Well, only one if you're not into succession. But if you're not into succession, what the hell are you doing with your life? All right, here we go. Play the music. And Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Michael Lucas, we have, we're breathless. We are still. It's been days. <laughs> we have so much to discuss. Look, first of all, we're going to start with the great debate. I took part in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival great debate on Sunday, Easter Sunday. That's right, yes. 4 p.m. Town Hall sold out. 
And the lead up for me was quite stressful because I just didn't feel like I should be there. No. Mm. Some some reassurance was needed. <laughs> <laughs> Both before and afterwards, I would say. Yes, 100%. But I really got myself into a tears around it because everyone was sending their speeches in. Like, And I was on a team with Lizzie Hu, who's incredible, mm-hmm. and John Safran, who's John Safran. Iconic, yes. Iconic. Then a couple comedy writers who I've kind of always known and always thought they don't really rate me. They think I'm just like, you know, a cabaret act. Mm. The problem with me is everyone in cabaret says I'm comedy and everyone in comedy says I'm cabaret. I can't mm, win. Mm. And um, I was really struggling and our argument was we get the leaders we deserve. Oh, and fucking Annabelle Crabb moderating. Thank you. I mean, let's just also say like a live debate is among the most stressful things you can do. Anyway, stir into that. It's got to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Stir into that your ongoing trauma about the comedy scene and establishment and everything like that. It had all the recipe of everything you needed Mm -hmm. to have a complete meltdown, but you didn't. Mm -mm. Or if you did, you did it on stage and it was funny. I did do it on stage. (laughs) (laughs) So I managed to get it all together. And because I took myself off to see four shows at the comedy festival, I'll be honest, since 2019, and you know this, 2019, I gave birth. Then 10 weeks later, I went on a huge national tour with Rage and Rainbows. Then I got my own stand-up special on Channel 10, which went off. And we had all these plans going into 2020. And then obviously 2020 happened. And I feel like all the momentum my career had up to that point was obliterated. And I haven't been able to write. I haven't sat Mm. down and written anything meaningful since 2019. Mm. And that was three years ago. So, Well, you did do a couple of great shows. I know, but they felt more like diary entries. Do you know True. what I mean? Like it felt like I I got out and sang and I talked about lockdown, but I don't feel it didn't have the same feeling as what Rage and Rainbows gave no, me. That was a very that was a very structured show. Yeah. And then we had the shows for the podcast, which were basically just like Kesarasara will be <laughs> will be, and it generally did. <laughs> Correct. So I went to see some Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows and I saw one show, A Bucket of Blood or Jazz, which was life-changing, so incredible. Two improvs, they're just, I can't, I don't want to, if you're in Sydney, just trust me, Sydney Comedy Festival, I think they're doing Brisbane too, A Bucket of Blood or Jazz, I'm not going to say anything else about the show, two amazing female improv comics Mm. and... Chella and I laughed for 60 minutes straight. It's the most absurd, brilliant, weirdly heart-wrenching. I don't know. It was so good. And you basically the premise is you get to choose if they talk about a bucket of blood or they talk about jazz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And one of them is obsessed with Bunnings. That's all you need to yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw that and I saw Gabby Bolt and I saw Ruben Kay and I saw Lizzie Who and all of a sudden I went home and I, and I wrote my speech. I just wrote it. Mm. She wrote it. The time came on Sunday to be there. I arrived and we had to do a a dress rehearsal thing. A a dress rehearsal where you did your speech or no? No, 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 okay. Just the cues. Okay. So I was arguing we do get the leaders we deserve and the crux of my argument was that, you know, basically we're shit and we always want to be relatable. We want our leaders to be relatable and then in the end we're surprised that they lie to us about being relatable and actually turn out to be far-right extremists. Yeah. And somehow tied that into me running for house captain at Diamond Creek Primary School. Yes, don't worry, I made it about me. <laughs> but it was so funny. Annabelle Crabb arrived while I was in hair and makeup. Yeah. And I've never met her IRL. No. And she walked in and she was like, Emma Siano, 
She researched how to say the name correctly. Wow. And she said, I watched your speech last week. It was just, I, I, it's, it was like she said, I'm so sorry it took me so long. It was amazing. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And then she went and sat down and I could hear her talking. I could hear her asking, you know, if, if there was any way to get a drink. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah, you're made for this I'm task. On, I'm on. I said yeah. to her, I'll find you something. What do you want? She's like, oh, I'd love some bubbles or something. I'm like, okay, no worries. And so I'm running around and finally I find this really old ancient guy wheeling the trolley. <laughs> and I said, I'll take that. So I grabbed the trolley and I ran it in like a like a fabulous flight attendant on a Qantas 1979, you know, overnighter to L.A., and I said, you know, what can I give you? So I, <laughs> This is how you get ahead in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just kept topping up Annabelle Crabbe's Prosecco. Mm. She did have a aura around her, <laughs> shall we say. So John Safran came in and we did our run and he had on this checkered shirt and Lizzie and I were having to go into hair and makeup and put mm. on our costuming and everything. And John, I said to John, oh, what are you wearing? He goes, I'm just wearing this. I go, oh, of course fucking societal standards. Look at what we have to do. We have to go into four hours of face paint. And he took that to heart. So then John disappeared for a little while and half an hour before we do to go on, he comes back wearing head to toe Yeezy yeah. and a balaclava. Mm. But he had the balaclava around the wrong way. And he walked in and he said, Em, I need you to cut some eye holes. And we're sitting there going, what? <laughs> Why don't you just turn it around, dickhead? <laughs> and he goes, ah. Oh with his lisp. So he yeah. turned it around. He's like, ah, oh, this is great. Now I can see. And I said, why are you wearing, why are you wearing this? Because his speech was around how th- we have terrible thought leaders and Kanye West was mm, one of them. Mm. And it ends up, his girlfriend was a massive Yeezy fan and mm. obviously he's Jewish and there, therein lies the conflict. Yes. And so he was wearing all of her Yeezy gear on stage, just that he never actually told anyone why he was wearing head to toe Yeezy. And even I had sort of forgotten that Kanye did that podcast interview where he was wearing the balaclava the whole time. And it was a, it was a comment on that, but maybe should, could have been flagged. We would have been more on board. But it kind of worked that yeah. it was just unexplained. Yeah, so you had me in head-to-toe sequence. I had roller skating yo-yoers. He was dressed in a balaclava with very expensive Kanye West puffer jacket on, wore the puffer jacket the entire time with the balaclava Mm. and the hat. Mm. Like the sweat was Mm. flicking onto me. Mm. And then glorious, magnificent Lizzie who just being... Crisp blue pants, incredible. She was incredible. And we were quite the team. We lost, so don't worry, guys. But, no, it was just wild. The whole situation was so crazy. But I'm going to let you explain why possibly the greatest moment of both of our lives. Go on. (laughs) Do it. Well, one of M's many incisive arguments was about... Incisive is kind. Thank you. (laughs) Rambling haphazard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was taking a bit of an AK-47 approach to (laughs) to arguing this point. There were no survivors, (laughs) including herself, though. Um, And... Penny Wong came into it mm. and essentially uh, you were arguing that uh, Penny Wong really would be our best PM but we don't deserve her Mm-mm. effectively. Mm-hmm. And so you spoke about her mm. qualifications for quite a while. Beautifully crafted jokes, I might say. Michael Lucas helped me with the Penny Wong segment. <laughs> what opening, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. The opening line was something like uh, the Dalai Lama Ooh, could take lessons. That in- joke's aged badly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was lessons in restraint from, yeah, with the tongue situation. Not good. Don't talk about but it. But on Easter Sunday, it was a very different world, different yes. story mm. from Penny Wong. Yeah. And then she went on and she talked about everything that Penny Wong's endured in the... Uh, Senate. She called her a, a magnificent bitch. Yeah. 
Um, and she then, should be our leader. And the yes, crowd agreed. said that her, she was terrifyingly silent and disappointed uh, when she was disappointed and that you felt it in your pelvic floor and then loudly said, and Australia, we need her because we are leaking. And then and then it got, it almost, I was on the brink of a standing ovation. And I was noticing that Annabelle Crabbe seemed particularly engaged. She was sitting behind him. Mm. She was laughing. She was, anyway, everything rolled on. Uh, uh, look, just highlights being at one point, M <laughs> took the, <laughs> took Annabelle's moderating bell, threw it into the audience. <laughs> so she could not be stopped. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there were roller skaters, there was everything. She went on to lose. Mm. But then when Annabelle Crabbe came out Mm. to to gauge the response of the audience and to announce the winner, she dropped a hell of a reveal. Mm -hmm. She said Mm -hmm. that she had contacted (gasps) Penny Wong herself. (laughs) Penny Wong! Penny Wong! Penny Wong! Wait, I need my phone. Have I got my phone? I've got it if you need it. Oh, I kept it. Don't you worry. Great. So we, we can read this out because... Annabelle read this out to the entire auditorium. Yes, we're, we're not no, at we're not all. breaking confidence. No. Okay, so Annabelle Crabb got on stage, Em Salinas, and in front of everyone, this is what she said. She And it was a hell of a flex. And Em like, called that straight away and the whole crowd burst out laughing. <laughs> and it was. So this is Annabelle Crabb to Senator Penny Wong on stage at Melbourne Comedy Fest debate and M. Rossiano has done her whole speech on why you should be PM. The Dalai Lama could take lessons in self-control from that magnificent bitch. Massive round of applause. Response from Senator Penny Wong. Clearly doesn't hear the inside voice. (laughs) (laughs) And then Annabelle responds, should I give her the debate? I have to make the call. She was pretty great. Penny Wong responds, I think the ethics of me involving myself are questionable. <sighs> to which Crab responds, an unimpeachable response. <gasps> so I, can, I, I was I was peaking. I knew it would be. I knew I, I was absolutely. Oh. I just couldn't get over it. Oh, me too. Me neither. Mm. I couldn't get over it. Penny Wong, aware of me, knows who I am. Apparently likes my stuff. I was just fixated on would those gags land, would the audience get on board, and thunderously they thunderously, did. Thunderously. thunderously. I mean, I wish it – oh, she can see it. She can be sent the YouTube clip. But to think – I know. To I know. think that she got a direct feed on what you were saying and then that response was only confirmed to everything that we thought about it. Oh, my God! And also that you know now next time you see Penny Wong and there will be a next time, we'll ensure it. <laughs> that sounds like a vague threat and I'm here for it. <laughs> There's just going to be this sizzle. 100%. Oh, my God. And then it gets better. Annabelle asks for my phone number. Yeah. And then she texts me later that night knowing I would be anxious that I'd gone full out. And I went full out. I went 10 out of 10 performance level, right? You left nothing on the floor, including yourself. Correct. And I got a text with a beautiful picture of me that's on my Instagram. And the text message under it, which I haven't shared with anyone, but, like, it's fine. She said, you were magnificent, (sighs) Bowie-esque. 10 out of 10, no notes. And then she sent me another text, which I will keep the most of the contents to myself, basically saying that her husband, who's a very highly respected lawyer, said that mine and John's arguments were the most sophisticated. When has my comedy ever oh, been referred to as sophisticated? You should just put you I'm, on I'm the done. Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's no kind of broadcast partner yet, but I'm sure know, at some point... Oh, look, I don't care. The win was had. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was electrifying. <laughs> I was unhinged. I don't know how. I just went on to another, I went into another dimension. Well, so I just want to say as well, Penny Wong didn't 
Her response was not, oh, no, as if I'd ever think of being a PM. What a ridiculous thing to say. Not at all. Let's just sit with that for a second. I love that from you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Okay. I want to talk about a TV show. Obviously, we've done an extra succession episode. We did the succession compression session. That has gone out. But another show that is just gripping us is Beef Mm. on Netflix. Mm. Have a listen. You started this. Me. Yeah. Okay, uh, you're the one who backed into me like a psycho. You're the one that flipped me off all roided out and sh- Hey! Are you guys leaving or are you just gonna sit there? What'd you say? What'd you say? Say it again! I dare you to say it again! Now, I normally don't like these TV shows. I can't watch Breaking Bad. I can't watch shows that, like, it's it's unpleasant. And I'm right. so into Ted Lasso. Like, I've just watched the episode where he wins in the dart match where he says people always underestimate him, but he played darts every Sunday with his father until he died. Like, I'm there. I'm in Ted Lasso, warm bosom, breast milk, soft landing velvet, right? Yeah, yeah. How would you describe beef? Well. <laughs> and also it sounds meaty, like, vulvary. It does. You know, like, and, and they I would have to say it's unlike almost anything else, but it is absolutely, it's kind of got this roiling, aggressive, simmering energy under it at all times. These are broken people trying desperately to pretend they're not, and their one outlet is to lash out at each other. And Ali Wong, I mean, my God. Ali Wong, the comedian who, if you haven't seen Baby Cobra at this point, ah. her stand-up special, it's it's one of the all-time classics of the past 10 years. And has just left her husband. Which, when you watch the, this TV show, <laughs> oh. takes on an added resonance. But also Stephen Ewan, who was in uh, The Walking Dead and mm. Minari, and he's just an incredible actor, can also sing, sing. apparently. Yes. So it's there's a road, ra- road rage incident and they just... Every episode is just basically them going at each other mm. in the most ridiculous ways. Yes. But it's so unpleasant to watch, but mm. I cannot not watch it. Yeah. I can't not, I, I don't know what to do. I can't think of another show that's, like, I. there's no other show that's been like this. No. You know, it's only 35-minute episodes. I know, I know. So it's just like. Well, it's about all you can handle, I think. <laughs> it really captures something about everyone being on the hamster wheel, just silently screaming, trying to make it look effortless and having all this dark energy in them that they don't know how to deal with. And in this one, it, they find an outlet for it. But I'm The best thing about it is I have no idea where it's going. I mean, I, I want them to sleep with each other. I don't know whether that's going to happen. Um, I, I I I can't imagine a happy ending. No. I feel like it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. I don't feel like there's going to be a pressure release on this series. We're both only up to episode three, which is hilarious. Yes. There's ten. But mm. I just had to – I said to my – because Scott and Chella wanted to keep going. I said, I'm sorry, at this juncture, no. My nervous system cannot handle this show And anymore. you're a binger through and through. Mm, you can polish things off pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, that's the insomniac in you and the hyperfixated person. It's true. So, yes, uh, beef is a recommendation from us. I love a quick short recommendation. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. I want to talk about Easter weekend. I want yes. to talk about what, how was your Easter weekend? Oh, mate. I'm really sorry. Okay, I just want to no, 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 whatever. Go tell me. How was your, tell me. Well, hi, gay. <laughs> Adrian and I uh, had lots of leisurely lunches and went to comedy festival shows and that was it really. How lovely. I know. I know. No, I'm it's... so sorry. There were no Easter egg hunts. We went and bought some lovely Easter eggs for ourselves, ate them. Oh. Yeah, then went to the gym and worked them off. <laughs> 
Hi, gay. Hi, gay. Hi, gay. <laughs> it was a relaxed, wonderful opportunity for a long weekend. And weirdly, I mean, it was very wintry. I'll stop anytime you want. And I really appreciated just sitting there in the quiet with the warmth watching TV. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm going to intuit that maybe yours had a different energy. Oh, good intuiting. <laughs> I'm so glad you're intuiting that. Intuit. Look, no, it's fine. It's fine. But a particular meme set me off on Good Friday. <laughs> I just saw this woman as a bit of a joke. She put up a meme where it had the things that mum does to get ready for mm. A holiday and mm. the things that dad does. Mm. And mum's list included, you know, book the holiday, book the flights, pack the kids, do the itinerary, clean the house, make sure the dog's getting looked after, <laughs> you know, all the shit. And dad's yep. list had pack own bag, help with the car, go to the toilet before he leaves. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, can we stop making these amusing memes, normalising bare minimum behaviour from heterosexual men. And I'm going into heteronormative land. I'm so, so, so sorry, but that is where I reside, leaving them their ass of. Mm. So we're going to go there. Some might say you're trapped. Laughing too loud now. I know, it's delirious. I put this meme up and then I said, can we please stop normalising this? And I don't think I've had a response, you know, since I put up, giant penis content. You know, whenever I put up giant penis content or hot bearded men videos, they go off. Mm. This even went off more so than that. I couldn't get through the messages. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. It was like mm, pages mm, and pages. Mm. And the gist was, I'm so tired. And I think because we're leading into school holidays, Easter long weekend, mm. so all them, and I'm going to be very general here, the mothers who probably have had to make sure childcare is taken care of for two weeks, Make sure the Easter egg hunt happens or the holiday's been booked or whatever. Restage the crucifixion, whatever needs to happen. Correct. Oh, my God, where I live, on the roundabout near the supermarket, someone made it out of chicken wire, Christ on the cross. <laughs> Look, I, I do want to reflect on our saviour sacrifice for us as I go into the IGA. <laughs> In chicken wire. <laughs> Look, it's the craft capital of Victoria. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't made out of pottery. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have suspected you if it was made out of pottery. <laughs> Perfectly frank. This post that I put up clearly triggered so many women who it is their job to carry the mental and emotional load. And I started reading all the messages and just feeling super sad and seen. And then... I wanted to say something on my podcast, and this has nothing to do with politics or penises or, or pop culture. I think there is a tangential relationship to penises, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I'm at an age now, and you won't experience this because you are a, you know, I don't even know how to, you're a carefree gay man. And, <laughs> but for women my age especially, I feel like I have carried the emotional weight for so long and I've had to evaluate every scenario, every question, every problem my family has for so long and the cumulative effect of doing this coupled with, you know, being, for me personally, diagnosed with autism, then accused of faking said diagnosis and then having a lot of uncertainty around my financial freedom because of the line of work I'm in in general. 
I completely fell apart in March, especially, and you know this, and I had to go and have some pretty, you know, some mental health care in terms of going to my doctor and back to my psych. And and I realised a lot of women are in these middle years and it's not a midlife crisis. And I hate that word being assigned to us because a crisis means that it can be fixed or we can, you know, get a younger husband or, and buy a red sports car. Mm. It's not... Fixable. Not a midlife crisis in the way that we define them. No, it's a slow numbing. Mm. I feel like a lot of us don't know how to walk back to ourselves. And a lot of us get to now in our 40s and it's like, oh, is this it? Am I? Is this it? But it doesn't mean that I'm not grateful for my family and love them, but I can love my family and also simultaneously want more. Mm. I want more and lots of women want more. I think we're scared to say it out loud, but I feel like I don't want to accept that this is it. I'm only halfway through and we get one go at it. And so I just wanted to say to every single woman that messaged me, I'm, this is not all there is for you. And I am rebelling against it so hard because the no- I was so cool in the late nineties. <laughs> like, I really think you held it at least up until 2001. <laughs> when I gave birth. How ironic. No. Yeah. No, you had your moments in plenty of them Sure. After that. But I just, I just wanted to say to you all, I know you're exhausted in your cells and I know that you feel like selfish or weird or I don't know, saying it out loud because we're kind of conditioned to be like, if you've got the family and the husband and the job, shut the fuck up. Mm. You've, what more could you want? And always, always when I say this stuff, Michael, I'll inevitably get the, you should just be lucky because... I'll be happy with because... My husband like, mm. died of this or I lost my family here. And, mm. and of course, yes, but I think it can exist side by side. And I oh, think... Yes. I mean, if we play that game, there's always going to be someone worse off than you. Always. Always, always someone worse off. But we can't deny there is so many women currently now who are in their 40s who are depressed, who are drinking too much, who are shopping too much, who are, you know, eating not enough or eating too much or looking for ways to feel alive or just not being able to get out of bed and we can't ignore that. So I guess I just I just wanted to say to you all, I understand that and what I have been doing is I wrote down who I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up in the world. And now every time I make a decision, and this has only been in the last few weeks, does this decision point me towards her or away from her? And it's going to piss your family off. It's going to piss the people off around you, your boss, your employees, whoever, because you're going to start showing up a bit differently. You're going to start putting yourself first. But they'll be fine. They'll adjust. But the number of messages I got, I was so compelled and so moved to speak today to reassure all the women of my age that it is okay to love your family and that not be enough. Mm-hmm. Who did you write that you wanted to be or can you not say? Was it 1970s era Studio 54 Liza Minnelli? Because <laughs> if so. Hi, gay. I want to know. I want to be, I want to show up. Uh, I don't know what, why do I get so emotional talking about this? I think you have to do that work of, I want to show up as the person I need. Mm. That's basically it. Mm. I want to show up as someone who is honest and authentic and full of love and super curious 
and puts herself first so that she's able to be her best self for the people that rely on her, that, um, you know, when she says yes, she isn't saying no to herself, that makes other people feel like they can get out of bed, you know, that, but mainly I don't want to feel exhausted to myself because when I'm exhausted to myself, I show up as the worst version of myself. Mm. Does that make sense? I get the best version, I think. Well, I think I don't have to mask with you at all. Mm. And that's the other thing. I've stopped masking entirely. So, I mean, I literally say to people, I am autistic. I may not be able to make eye contact with you anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the honest intros now. That's been huge Mm. for me. Like that's been massive because mm. if you have an issue with me saying to you, I'm autistic, so the eye contact might be off and I might blurt out weird things. Well, and also if someone has issues, good way of weeding them out of your what life really quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's sort this out now. Great. See ya. See ya. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know if this helps you or you fast forwarded through it or it was boring or whatever, but I just wish someone had said to me on a podcast, you know, five years ago, it's okay to want more and feel numb and and not sure and look back at yourself and think, God, why didn't I make take advantage of that time? You're only halfway through, more than likely. So maybe you're even younger. Maybe this is preventative. And we're going to have to do it. Like, I've got to deal with menopause soon and I know that's going to be a motherfucker. Mm. Like my, my doctor has just said to me already, I'm just going to carve out a weekly appointment for you no matter what. <sighs> Jamie, my GP. Yeah, look. He said to me, like, honestly, put his hand on my knee and said, this is going to be rough. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, You can already tell. You can already Jesus. tell for me. And I really think that's a problem. There's not too many Madonna Premium tickets that I can buy to help you with that one. <laughs> I've already bought them. <laughs> Can't even, don't even know where you're going. <laughs> but how do you, you're also, your problem is also that you're like, you're, you're, you're a hyper fixated um, mm-hmm. perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so isn't part of it, if you want to pres- preserve that energy, isn't it partially saying, I'm not going to design the most splendid Easter Sunday, but that's hard for you to accept. You mm-hmm. can't walk away from things. Mm-mm. Therein lies the problem. Therein lies the ADHD versus the autism mm. as well. But I am getting better at cancelling on stuff that I know normally I would go to. Mm. I'm really good at now just saying, no, I actually, I can't do that. Mm. I can't do that. Mm. It's that. But I caught myself with the Easter Sunday thing. I did all of it. Mm. I did all of it. And I had a gig on Easter Sunday that I had to get ready for. And I was also, you know, preparing all the family stuff and making sure we had food and I did all the food shopping. And then I just kind of sat there and and I said to my husband, I said, I need you to do more, Scott. He's like, all right, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just can't. I just, so then I just said to him, do you see the irony? You're just putting that on me. Like now you're making it my job to tell you what to do. But he instinctively can't know because I'm also a control freak. Yes. And then as we've previously said, I uh, want to do everything myself and then I get mad when no one helps. Look, <laughs> a beautiful aspect of our relationship is I come in and go, what are we doing? And you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an enthusiastic participant, <laughs> but I'm not driving it. It's a work in progress. I'm not perfect at it. But <laughs> I want more for myself. I do. And some people would argue that I already have a lot you know, mm. in my life, mm. too much, in fact. But I still feel numb a lot of the time at 44 and think, is this what, what's next? What am I going to do? Mm. What am I going to do next? So um, I figured, you know, I'd say something about it, whatever. Do you really have? Oh, I feel like we should touch on Taylor Swift's relationship breaking up. Yes. 
I, I it surprised me. I did it not surprise you? I don't know much about them because they've kept it so secret. That's, but I thought I took that as a very good sign. I agree. Yeah. And I didn't want to know. Yeah. And then all the inevitable, oh, the next album's going to be like, look out, fire. But I don't think so. Mm. I don't think she's going to cover this relationship in the next album. No. I'm sad for Taylor because I feel like she can't go through normal relationship things without everybody. It the whole be, world weighing in. And she's on a world tour. Like She is totally. Yeah, it's not like she can just go and eat chocolate and watch Sex in the City or I don't know what no. those straight women do when they break up with people. I've watched most of that tour on YouTube already <laughs> and TikTok. And could you tell? Like do you grow back and watch no. Taylor with well, a lens? I I learnt it and then I went back and just watched it again. No, you can't tell. She's a professional, absolute professional. No, like extra like spin or edge on some songs. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. It's just her very perfect. She dances like me. I'm going to say, and she is the one performer out there, and it's not a compliment, but I respect it, obviously. She does very no, committed dance you, moves. Dua Lipa, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, all could be interchangeable. I think that's an insult to those women. <laughs> Have you seen how she comes out on stage? No. You would Don't ruin it. die. You Don't die. Ruin it. And that's all I say. It's the campus thing ever. But in terms of a relationship, no, no sign of it. And I'm I'm surprised. I, and I didn't know I was invested in it until they announced it was over. Same. And then we, because they wrote songs together. I didn't know I was invested to it, in it till it was over. And they survived lockdown together and you would have thought that's that's going to be the no. that's the test for any relationship. They got through that. But, you know, maybe some things aren't meant to be together. I just want to say to Tay-Tay, if she, just freeze your eggs, babes. I'm sure she has. She's only 33. Doesn't matter. Do you know it's almost 10 years since the 1989 Melbourne? Isn't that surreal? Oh, I know. I know. It just gives her opportunities. She'll be all right. I'm not saying she wants kids, but just in case she does. No, but you just don't want that added pressure of the you world don't. going, oh, 33 year old woman just broken up in a six year relationship. Oh, TikTok, TikTok. It happens. Just saying to her. She'll move on. It'll be fair. She's got a blank space, baby. She'll write your name. It'll be fine. <laughs> all right. Calm down. All right. I don't know how much of that's actually going to make it to air. I think all. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think people will be helped? I know I should do that. I think they'll be seen and that is in itself helpful. All right, fine. Where are you going now? Where am I going? Yeah, where you <laughs> so, so fascinating. I'm going to the post-production house to look at the visual effects for News Reader Season 2. Oh, do you want to whore five bedrooms? Yes, May 18. Yeah. Coming to Paramount Plus. That's oh, season four. Hi, this guy's your ringmaster. Oh, look, shut up. I was put on the spot, all right? Come on. Season four. Yep. Um, uh... What can I say? Entire ensemble cast come back. There is there. We've gone for tears. We've gone for laughs. Mm. We've gone for tears. We've gone hard. Mm. Mm. Okay, and you know do... when I say that, I mean it. Yeah. How do we watch it? Paramount Plus. It's yes. going to drop all that day, Sunday, May eighteenth, which is also the day that the Messenger comes out, starring William McKenna, my daughter's best mate. Best mate, yeah. Practically raised by M. I mean, full respect to his parents. But no, I did claim him on yeah. Instagram. Got in trouble from Chella, and then Will gave me blanket permission to claim him. So it's fine. He's one of the most talented. He is incredible. Actors. Oh my god, stage or screen. Yeah, That's, we can't wait. That date is also relevant for something else. I'll tell you off air. That's fucking wild. I think it's a sign. Okay. Wow, what a tease. See you later. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. Thank you, gang. Thank you for listening as always. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. We make some great videos. And if you always wondered, gee, I wonder what Em looked like saying that or what Michael was doing there, we put the videos up. 
We want to say a big hello and thank you to our patrons, especially our hectic level ones. If you're a patron, you're getting live videos of the podcast. You're getting to hang out with us pre-show at our meetings. So we see you. We appreciate you. We love you. If you want to become a patron, guess where all that information is? That's right, on the Instagram page. Hello to all our pen pals also. You get a beautiful newsletter each week. You can sign up for that. Guess what? On our Instagram page. That's enough from me. That was very long episode. There's a very lot of me talking. Uh, thank you for being here and we will chat soon. Bye. Insulation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas and sometimes her eldest daughter Marcella. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn. With videos by James Henderson. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow with assistance from Jem Evans plus cameos from M's dad Vinci. Get the full Emsolation experience by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you really want to help us out, you could become a patron of Emsolation. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and Make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by actually hitting the follow button. As always, thanks for listening. And we're excited to chat with you again soon.